0: From LPL Financial, welcome to Market Signals. I'm your host, Ryan Dietrich.
1: We didn't think earnings growth this quarter was was possible. The economic recovery has certainly exceeded expectations, uh, our expectations and many people's expectations to date. That's certainly part of it. And then I think corporate America really should be applauded for efficiently managing through this, right? And uh, profit margins, I think, have been really impressive throughout this. And that's really where I think this upside surprise comes from. Hi, everybody.
0: Welcome to the latest LPL market podcast. Ryan Dietrich here, Jeff Bookbinder on the line as well. Now, Jeff, we were just talking before you started. You feel almost invincible. Now you've got all the proper equipment to make you unstoppable. You want to tell us a little bit about
1: um, what I'm talking about here? Yeah, this will be a chance for all of our listeners to laugh at me <laughs> because I didn't get a big monitor to hook up to my laptop until this weekend. Like what this work from home thing started when? Oh man. <laughs> Feels like
0: 17 years ago, but I think it was eleven months ago. Yeah.
1: Yes. Yeah, so now um I'm gonna really be dangerous here with, with this big monitor. I've got you know multiple windows open. It'll be easier on my eyes. So uh glad I finally got there. That's good. Now I said you were kind of like the Golden State
0: Warriors when they won that first championship, maybe it was the second championship, I don't know exactly, and then they got KD, and then you're just a super unstoppable team, I'm saying you were pretty good before, you're working with just a laptop for a year, now you actually have a monitor, you can actually see and not squint at all day long, you're going to be unstoppable, so anyway, speaking of unstoppable, that's a segue to GameStop, right, we're going to talk about, um, you know, the, the this week on the LPL Market Signals podcast, we're going to focus a lot on what we've been seeing from those short uh, stock-specific, Specifically or highly shorted stocks, specifically GameStop. We're also going to take a look at debt. One of the top questions before last week, and the incredible move and in some of the highly shorted names that we've received at LPL Research, I'd say the last several years is what do you think of the incredible amount of debt that the United States has? Well, we wrote that, wrote about it on our weekly market commentary this week, and we're going to talk about it in today's podcast. We're going to do an earnings season update, spoiler alert. Earnings season has been really strong so far. Also, a little bit of an economic update. Then we're going to kind of finish things off with a fun one. Um, The Super Bowl indicator. (laughs) So goes the winner of the Super Bowl goes the stock market. Now, obviously, full disclaimer. I know we've got disclaimers all over this podcast. Don't ever invest on who wins the Super Bowl. Nonetheless, it's a fun one this time of year to talk about. So, Jeff, let's start with it. It's the number one thing. Nearly everyone in America has been talking about the incredible moves in GameStop and some of the other shorts. I'll just... Say a couple stats here that I want to go back and forth with you. Last week, GameStop was up 18% on Monday, 92% on Tuesday, 134% on Wednesday, down 44% on Thursday, and finished out the week with a solid 66% gain on Friday. That 134% move on Wednesday, according to our friends at JP Morgan, they said that that was a five standard deviation move. In other words, it should happen once every 13,000 years. It happened last week. So that obviously really shook Wall Street, almost you could say to its core, with a lot of different things that we saw last week. Um, You know, Jeff, what was your take on GameStop and the shorts last week and kind of what it all means?
1: Yeah, the the number one question I think we're all asking is what does this mean for the broad market, right? And, you know, related to that, um, a lot of people are asking if other big institutions will get hurt by this, right? That big hedge fund, Melvin capital is the one that's getting all the attention. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, their uh, portfolio down about 50% in January alone. Uh, you know, it was good to see the markets rallying back here a little bit on Monday morning, but I think this, the jitters that we saw late last week uh, are related to um, you know, the shorts covering and having to raise capital by selling these big liquid names like the fang names um, it's not just mellon capital there are other institutions that have been hurt by this there's still a lot of short interest in you know gamestop and these other names that are getting all the attention so the question people are asking will other institutions get hurt and will that lead to more um you know forced selling in some of these big liquid names our our best guess at this point is that this you know, gets resolved fairly quickly and that we won't see more big institutions get hurt by this in a way that could have systemic uh, impacts on the broader market. But, um, you know, clearly this this saga is not not quite over. Oh, no, it it is definitely not
0: over yet. Um, you You think about it, you know, Melvin Capital, like you said, lost over 50% in their portfolio in January. They had to be infused by Steve Cohen and Citadel to the tune of $2.75 billion last week. Um, Robinhood, which is the heart of a lot of these these trades, they had to tap a billion dollars of credit on Thursday. And that's the concern, right? That's what we saw late last week. Is this another long-term capital management potentially? For those who remember back then, the Russian ruble made some moves that it simply was not supposed to make. And as a result one of the largest most successful hedge funds ever in long-term capital management was shaken to the core and fell apart and it brought with it almost a 20% market correction in the fall of 1998 as well. So you know we're monitoring it closely but as of this time we don't believe that's the case um But still, you know, who knows? I guess it's the short answer, that's why we're watching it. But again, we are seeing a good bounce this morning, um, at least on Monday at the time where we're doing this. Now, here's a key thing, Jeff. It's not just a GameStop story. I know that's what everyone's talking about. According to uh, the most 100 shorted stocks in the United States on the Russell 3000, the average one was up 23% last week and up 70% for the year. So again, I know GameStop gets the headlines, but it's not quite uh, that simple. Now, what's unique about this though, we've seen some of this stuff before. In the 1980s, there was a major short squeeze in silver by the Hunt brothers. 1998, Volkswagen was the most valuable car company in the world, which um, no one really expected, but it happened as a major short squeeze with Volkswagen. After the election in 2016, shipping stocks had unbelievable moves on massive short covering as well. And now we're seeing GameStop as well. It reminded me of the, the famous quote from remnants of a stock operator there is nothing new in wall street there can't be because speculation is as old as the hills whatever happens in the stock market today has happened before and will happen again and the other one i love that i think makes sense with all these shorts and different things the warren buffett quote when the tide comes in, you see who is swimming naked. And we're seeing that with some of these big companies that were drastically short. Um, you know, a company with 150% of its float already sold short, which is the last quote I want to bring out the patent quote when everyone is thinking alike, someone isn't thinking. So it kind of makes sense from a market's point of view. Everybody was short. You you got the wick to go, whether it be because of the Reddit crowd and different thing. You see some of the size of the trades coming in last week. Those weren't guys trading in their mom's basement. All right. I mean, there are some big institutions that are kind of jumping to the other side of this because they smell blood against some of their competitors. So it's not quite as simple. Now, maybe Reddit started things, but it's it's really, really unique. Um, Let's see. So, Jeff, what else? I mean, you know, GameStop, one more for me, and I'll go back to you. GameStop lost... $1.5 $1.5 billion the last three years. You think about it, people play games online, and they don't go to malls so much. This is not really the ideal place to be, yet their stock was up 1,625% in January. Um, you know, you say these things happen a lot, but I mean, you know, can you, anything in your career remind you of what we just saw last week, by chance?
1: Well, it reminds me a little bit of the flash crash in 2010, where there was no fundamental basis for the move and um, you had to look at the players in the market the plumbing in the market the, the the technicals of it right who's buying who's selling and you know who has to cover and that sort of thing so we've been through a number of situations where the market has been concerned about big institutions being hurt right the thing that's different about this one well there's a couple things that are different but you know, it's the retail army that's different. Yeah. Usually it's it's just the big institutions smelling blood against the other big institutions. Uh, and then the fact that we're in a pandemic and we've got a name here that, you know, by most accounts, it, you know, sh- shouldn't be up here at this valuation, right? It's detached from fundamentals. I think we all, you know, agree. You know, it can mm-hmm. be detached from fundamentals for a while. You don't know when that's going to change. It's not really changing today. But uh, that makes this a little bit unique that, you know, the market is targeting these, not just, you you know, companies that have a lot of short interest, but companies that are among the most fundamentally flawed right now uh, during the pandemic. Yeah,
0: and I guess I'm full of quotes today because the other Warren Buffett one that reminds me of this, in the short term, the market is a popularity contest. In the long term, the market is a weighing machine. And let's not forget what Sir Isaac Newton told us many hundreds and hundreds of years ago. I can explain the motion of heavenly bodies, but not the madness of people. And some of those I think make uh, make a lot of sense. The other thing, Jeff, that took that took me last week when I saw what happened, you know, on Thursday, Robin Hood and a lot of other places said, you know what? You're not allowed to buy this anymore. You're not allowed to buy GameStop and a lot of these other names, right? People were obviously doing that. You could sell it, but you couldn't buy it. Now they had to do that. And there's some you mentioned plumbing, some really unique um twitter strings to explain all this. I'm not going to get into that, but the truth was, you know, maybe some of the regulators told him to calm down a little bit and and help um, you know, stop this, stop the stop some of the madness if you will. And that upset a lot of people. It actually united AOC on one side and Ted Cruz on the other. You wouldn't think anything could unite those two, but they actually they agreed in this particular case that hey, people should be allowed to trade the stocks that they want to trade, right? And and the thing that got me was rules do change. I remember in 2008 being short the market. Uh, being short uh, financial, specifically bank stocks. And the you know what happened? The rules changed. They said, you know what? You can't short bank stocks anymore. Bank stocks went crazy. Um, you know, so that happened before. Then you had, you know, GameStop that they said you can't trade GameStop anymore. Although it's it, You're allowed to now. I think some of that's come come back. But then the, sto- the amazing story was the story of Piggly Wiggly. I had no idea until this weekend. And I'll make it very quick. But Back after the uh, first pandemic, well, the 100-year pandemic 100 years ago, when you went to a grocery store, you had to say, I want this, I want that. They actually picked it out for you. And a guy working there in Memphis said, you know what, at a grocery store, why don't we just put everything out there let people pick it themselves? You know, people like to compare and look. And it, it was wildly successful. Now, what happened was he started to franchise out the Piggly Wiggly name. Some went out of business up in the New York and New Jersey area. And some of the speculators said, hey, this is this company that's a hot stock. It was like the Amazon of its time, right? And he says, a hot stock that's not working. They're closing sh- up shop, let's short them. So they started to short it, he got wind of it. He got $10 million and, and went to all different banks all over the South and stuffed his suitcase and stuffed literally as the lore goes. He stuffed his uh, pants, he had so much money with his 10 million bucks, so he went to right to the NYSE and said, you know, who shortened my stock? And he started to to buy it and it was a big back and forth. And it was a massive short squeeze, an unbelievable short squeeze took place um, due to what he tried to do. And again, go read the story, but. Wall Street changed the rules on them, on the way these shorts worked, and when the shorts had to be called. And long story short, <laughs> how about that? Long story short, um, he it didn't work in the end, and he eventually went bankrupt. Um, so it, it's just it, you know, rules can change, and I'm not saying it's right. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying this is kind of what we've seen throughout history, and this is kind of what has got so many people up in arms over what's what's uh, necessarily been happening. But the truth of the matter to put a bow on it and Jeff, I'll well, let you talk more here. I feel like I've talked a lot all of a sudden. Um, you know we don't anticipate this becoming a major first domino effect, uh, kind of like the 1998 Russian ruble long-term capital management, but obviously we're watching it very closely and we'll continue to talk about it on the podcast. So Jeff, let's move forward um, in the in the podcast here. We're going to talk about the second uh, probably most popular thing that we've heard lately debt u.s debt has exploded um just over the past year as we continue to fight the pandemic now one person could say a year ago debt was really high and i would agree <laughs> it's even higher now you know this week in our market market uh weekly market commentary i'll get it right we actually d- dove in and kind of talked about that you want to kind of talk for a while maybe i'll give a drink of water here <laughs> <laughs> i've like talked a while um about u.s debt and kind of
1: how we see things here sure right so um yeah, a really good uh piece uh this week um the uh, this is probably the question we get more than any other, right? I mean last week it was about GameStop, but in a normal week this is the number one question we get from investors. It's you know, we've got 27 trillion or whatever it is in debt. Um h- how can we manage this? Um can can we keep spending stimulus upon stimulus upon stimulus, right? And you, you know, the answer is Surprisingly, yes, we can keep spending right now uh, because that debt is so cheap to service uh, with low interest rates. And this is part of the reason why the Fed wants to keep interest rates low uh, with interest rates as low as they are, um, it the, the U.S. government actually pays less to service this debt than it did just a few years ago, right? right. I mean, if you go back to the you know, 80s when you had double digit interest rates, that's, you know, hardly even any comparison, but certainly even just a few years ago, um, debt service was more uh, than it is today because of low interest rates. So that's, I think, the most important point here. We don't need to worry about this right now because uh, the debt is cheap to service. Related to that is we uh, we need a little more stimulus here to get through the pandemic. I think, you know, most people agree with that regardless of what side of the aisle you're on. um, This is a time when the government's gonna get some bang for its buck, right? When you've got this hole, we still have high unemployment. um, We still have a lot of challenged businesses. There's a lot of bang for the buck right now because we have the benefit of being able to put a lot of this stimulus into the market and not worry about sharply higher interest rates. Now, there are a lot of reasons why Interest rates aren't moving sharply higher. They've come up certainly in you know, the past few months. But the reason they're not moving sharp things about our economy, keeping rates low. And certainly, um, you know structurally right now, low unemployment, it, I mean, high unemployment is part of it. Uh, and then another part of it is that you have all these uh, countries in Europe and Japan with really low or negative interest rates right? And that is keeping our interest rates. Low. So we're in a, uh, a position here where we can continue to add to the debt, put stimulus into the economy and not worry about paying for it. We'll p- eventually pay for it. Eventually rates will rise. Eventually this economy will be rolling and we'll have more inflation and we'll probably have to make some tough choices. And we have some of those possibilities in the piece, you know, raising the social security age, maybe, um, means testing social security are some that you hear a lot about and there are other ideas um but this is not something that the market is concerned about right now probably frankly doesn't need to be too concerned about this for at least the next couple of years yeah i mean i,
0: I great point there jeff you know how much it costs to service the debt i mean it's cheaper last year that we exploded our level of debt actually it's cheaper than again in, in the past which is kind of fascinating also we're talking about u.s debt You know, look at what happened. This is the first recession we've ever seen where FICO scores went up, overall debt for consumers went down, credit card debt went down. So, yes, the U.S. has a ton of debt, no doubt about it. But, you know, a lot of businesses, now believe me, some small businesses are struggling, we're fully aware. But on the whole, a lot of businesses are actually in pretty good shape and the consumer. In the midst of a, a terrible pandemic and recessions, actually in fairly solid shape. So there's kind of a diff- couple different ways to look at it. Jeff, I'll just kind of talk very quickly. If you're watching along on the YouTube channel, thanks. You know, please be sure to give us a follow, give us a like wherever you get this podcast or see it, and we'd love positive reviews. It really helps um, kind of build this brand and continue to get our podcast out there. But we're in February. Uh, We had a huge rally. We all know that historically. Sure enough, February, a post-election year, is the worst month of the year. Also, if you take a look at what happens after the inauguration uh, until pretty much March madness comes around, stocks tend to be weak. So what I'm getting at, we're in a little bit of a tricky seasonality point of view here. The next several weeks after the rally, after all the talk about GameStop and kind of the different things that are happening out there, maybe a little break would be perfectly normal. One other thing, Jeff, I didn't mention it. We mentioned the hunt brothers, literally at the time you and I are recording this, we'll see where it closes silver is up almost 11 or 11, 10, 11, 12%, give or take. I mean, it's having One of the largest rallies silver has ever had. Um, So we're watching that and that's kind of that next area that if you read over the weekend, that some of the traders and Reddit traders and, and, day trading if you will day trading army are going after uh for some of the shorts so anyway we'll, we'll watch that one but silver is absolutely flying today as a, as a result of that now jeff let's talk a little bit about the economy um earnings season is going on and last i checked it's been amazing every week you and i talk about earnings and every time you tell me it's getting better and better give us an update on how earnings season is looking here as we are probably
1: in the most busy week of earnings season also it's been great uh, so far um in, in fact um, we didn't think earnings growth this quarter was was possible, to be nope. perfectly honest. And now, you know, we, we've only had about what thirty six percent of the S and P five hundred report, and that's looking like a real possibility, maybe even more likely than not. Uh, we thought we were going to have to wait until Q one for earnings growth year over year for the S and P. Uh, we might get it in Q four. We're we're down about a couple points now, but a lot of companies left. We get one hundred and ten SP and P five hundred companies. This week, uh, and uh, hopefully by the end of the week, we'll be, you know, looking at flat, which is really amazing. Because remember, last year at this time, right, Q4 2019 was pre-pandemic, right. so for the S&P 500 to generate as much in earnings in Q4 2020 as it did in Q4 2019 is really, uh, really remarkable. Uh, you know, the economic recovery has certainly exceeded expectations, uh, our expectations, and many people's expectations to date. That's certainly part of it. And then I think corporate America really should be applauded for uh, efficiently managing through this, right? Um, And uh, profit margins, I think, have been um, really impressive uh, throughout this. And that's really where I think this upside surprise comes from. So you're talking about like a 10 percentage point upside surprise. We got that the last couple quarters or more. We didn't think we'd get that again, but um, it looks like um, we are getting that. And then, you know, one of the measuring sticks for, uh, earning season, uh, that we use is, is the change in forward four quarter earnings estimates, right? So, um, that's been really impressive. We've had almost a 3% increase in estimates for earnings for next year, the next four quarters, uh, just over the last several weeks, um, really, really positive and rare, uh, result. So anywhere you slice it, this is a great earning season and, um, it's, it's not even halfway done. Yeah. I mean, this very likely could be the third consecutive earning season
0: that saw more than 80% of companies beat the earnings expectations. So truly, um, truly amazing how quickly, I guess you could say, corporate America's come back very quickly. Some other positive news. If you look at um, the number of hospitalizations, Due to COVID, it is significantly dropping a number of new cases, seven-day moving average consistently dropping. The Johnson & Johnson vaccine that we've talked a lot about had a 66% effective overall. There's a little bit lower than what some people were hoping a couple weeks ago. It was 72% effective in the U.S. though, but much, much lower. Well, 57% effective in South Africa, where again, they have the new mutated strain. Um, But also Novavax had 89% 89% effective in the UK. That's the UK strain that, that people have talked about. Their, their, their vaccine extremely effective there, only 60% effective in South Africa, but still, um, you know, that's still a solid number against the new mutation in South Africa. And according to the data, 96% effective overall versus what we're going to call the old COVID strain or original COVID-19 strain, according to NovaVAX. So some positive news on the vaccine front. Jeff, we also had PMI, regional PMI data from Chicago last week, uh, manufacturing the highest since July of 2018. A lot of the recent manufacturing data we've been seeing is strong. From the, At the time we started recording this, the monthly ISM manufacturing number came in a tad lower than expect, expected, but still a historically high number. So there are some, some real positives there on the economic front, um, you know, for the most part. The, the concern, though, is still initial jobless claims, still were up over, over hundred thousand last week and are still quite, historically, that's extremely high, but a little bit trend in the right direction. So Jeff, let's finish things up with a fun one. We're going to talk about the Super Bowl indicator. Now, just for a reminder, you are a um a Tom Brady fan or Chiefs fan? I can't remember. What is it?
1: <laughs> I, I'm a Chiefs fan, but living in New England, uh I, I gotta admit I um I, I'm okay with Brady. I want him to lose this weekend, no doubt. Right. right. But I, I don't feel like uh most of the country uh rooting against him.
0: Yeah, I don't, I don't, we'll just go with, I don't like them too much, but anyway, yeah, so I'm an Ohio guy, so I can't like a Michigan guy, it's just how it is, but, um, you know, so this is a fun one, again, there's disclaimers all over the podcast, if you, just listen to the, at the end when I talk. It's goofy. So I, I use all these big words. They give me a script to read. I, I can't believe I said half those words. But we have to have disclaimers on this stuff. And this is a major disclaimer. Don't ever invest in this stuff. But it's fun. Um, You know, for whatever reason, stocks tend to do better when the NFC wins. Um, Jeff, the average year since we have 54 Super Bowls, the s and is up 8.7% a year during all those years. All right. When the NFC wins, though, s and is up 10.2%. When the AFC wins, up 7.1%. Um, and it's higher, 79% of the time when the NFC wins, and for the full year, higher about two out of every three times, at 65% when the AFC wins. Now, there's always a disclaimer, right? <laughs> Lately, the AFC's done great. Uh, the last, let's see here, I've got it. The last 11. Wow, is that what it is? Yeah, the last 11 times the AFC has won a Super Bowl, going back to New England in 2004, the S&P has been higher. Ten of those times. Um, so lately, you kind of get a little more reversion to the mean in all likelihood. And the last one, I ranked. Uh, I'm going to write a blog on this, lplresearch.com, probably on Wednesday or Thursday of this week with some of these charts I'm talking about. It's obviously a goofy, friendly, media-friendly one people like. The best return out of all 54 times a Super Bowl uh, or team has put it this way, out of all the teams that won a Super Bowl, and the number is, um, give me one second. I've got it in front of me. Give me my Excel. 20 teams, 20 teams have won 54 Super Bowls. The best return out of all the teams on average is Tampa Bay. They've only won one Super Bowl, but the year they won a Super Bowl, stocks did go up 26.4%. Kansas City's won two Super Bowls, average of 8.1%. The absolute worst, Miami, <laughs> down 23 and a half percent per year when Miami wins a Super Bowl. And I just mentioned Tampa's the best uh for those who remember six super bowl wins for pittsburgh six super bowl wins for new england and five for the dallas cowboys and i do not see my cincinnati Bengals on here it's probably a typo i'm sure they should have been on here but nonetheless may, maybe next year i'll see my Bengals on there all right jeff i just said a bunch of numbers any comments from you i mean it's kind of a playful one anything to say there other than
1: go chiefs <laughs> well i i've been a chiefs fan a lot longer than i've been involved in the markets so yeah. I'll just I'll take that eight percent return when the Chiefs win and be perfectly happy. I don't want to get greedy. I don't want to trade a Chiefs Super Bowl win for a, you know, a big up year. I know many of our listeners are going to be upset with me for putting my own personal loyalties above the markets, but that's where I'm going. I'll I'll take a modest year if it means a Chiefs victory. Hey, I. I would take a bear market if my Bengals
0: could win a Super Bowl. I mean, it'd be a buying opportunity. I don't need the money right away. That's what we learned last year, right? You can live with bear markets. Use it as an opportunity. If my Bengals win, I don't know my. Uh, but probably better chance of an asteroid hitting the earth, but nonetheless, we'll, we'll just see. All right. Well, thanks again, Jeff, for, for an awesome conversation there. Uh, it's all GameStop all the time. We're going to keep looking into it. Please go to lporesearch.com to read our blog where we're taking a look at that, um, you know, daily and, and all the different things that are taking place. But again, it's a big week for earnings. GameStop might have the headlines, but like Jeff just said, earnings have been extremely strong. The Fed is still there. And there's more fiscal stimulus likely coming as well. We didn't really talk too much about fiscal stimulus, I don't think. um, But nonetheless, likely there's some more coming. We'll probably focus more on that next week. Um, So again, thanks, everyone, for being here. Uh, Appreciate everyone showing up every single week. And we'll keep doing it. And uh, I guess that's right. We'll talk who won the Super Bowl, I guess, next time. And my favorite story of the Super Bowl last year was when the Super Bowl happened New uh, you guys in Kansas City, Jeff had a big old party and you didn't hear from your brother for like a day or two. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> we eventually found him. Eventually found him. You, you knew he was fine. You said, well, he just, you know, hey, you won a Super Bowl. You'll go out and have some fun. I think he did. So anyway, all right, everybody. We'll see you next week. Thank you. Take care. Bye bye. This material was provided by LPL Financial, it is for general information only, and is not intended to provide specific